Well, hello and welcome to the Smells Like Money podcast. Join me, Suzanne Chin-Taylor, the doo-doo diva, as I interview guests who are making an impact on how we manage and operate systems for conveying and treating wastewater. As a veteran of the wastewater, trenchless, and civil infrastructure industry, each week, I'll be bringing you industry know-how from industry pros who know how. Join me each week as I speak with representatives of organizations that are utilizing disruptive or new technologies and methods, and executives who are excited to share how to be successful and sustainable in our vital industry. So whether you want to learn about the latest trends in technology, in treatment or trenchless, gain tips on training and retaining great talent, or simply how to be more efficient, productive, or profitable, this podcast is for you. Ready? Let's dive right in. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Do Do Diva Smells Like Money podcast. I have the distinct pleasure of visiting today with two fine gents from E1 Corporation, Chris Greco and Derek Latchett. So, guys, I wanted to bring you on the show because for me, in where we met at the Florida, uh, what was it, the Water Resources Conference? Yes. I stumbled upon your technology. I was kind of aware of it on the fringes, but didn't really understand much about its applications. I was quite familiar with vacuum sewers and how they operate, but was very intrigued by what you were presenting and offering. And as we got into some conversations, something that I, I don't know which of you brought it up, but that your technology is not something that is taught in engineering schools as something that is should be considered for sanitary sewer for municipal. And so I wanted to touch on that question first. And maybe if you can give our audience why is that, that nobody's talking about it, why it should be talked about, and a little bit of, a, I would say, you, you call it pressure sewer 101. And so with that, whoever wants to kick it off, have at it. <clears throat> All right, maybe I'll start and Derek, you can uh, pick up the back end, but um, pressure sewer has been around uh, since the late sixties. The founders of our company actually created the world's first residential grinder pump uh, and then introduced this to the market, created the market. And it was considered an alternate technology, uh, basically use pressure sewer in areas where it's extremely challenging to sewer land. Perhaps if the, the land is below the, you know, the pipe that you pump up to. And for many years, that's kind of how it uh, stayed, a, a bit under the radar for special applications, hard to sewer. Um, and uh, the Clean Water Act really spurred uh, a blossoming of this technology as part of that Clean Water Act asked for innovative technologies. And that's really where uh, the uh, spotlight was put on this technology. You know, Gravity Sewer has been around for years and years. Uh, that's our really our only competitor. And um, you know, engineers don't get fired for uh, uh, designing Gravity Sewer. Um, so you know, our technology was seen as, again, as an alternate, maybe out on the fringe, not too sure about this uh, pressure sewer type business, but over the years, most, if not all of the land has already been sewered. 
So our, uh, our technology has gone from alternative to today, very appropriate as we're being uh, leaned on more so day in and day out to sewer, whether it's new home uh, construction, septic to sewer abandonment projects, or rehabbing any failed competitors' uh, pressure sewer system. And unfortunately, again, it's just not taught in schools uh, where uh, you know, a lot of our, obviously our engineers are, are coming from, um, from school. Uh, so it's a big challenge. We have to educate uh, continually day in and day out. You know, and on that note, um, you know, why isn't it being taught in school? It, it's something we're still trying to figure out. Um, and as the uh, originators and the innovators in the industry, um, we do have outreach. Um, we have um, a career curriculum that we've developed. Um, we have uh, worked with uh, some local schools, um, universities, uh, trade schools, you know, um, two-year uh, schools just to, um, to, to, to make ourselves available to help educate uh, the market. And, and a lot of what we do um, on a day-to-day -day basis is, yeah, again, that outreach, um, that proverbial missionary work to continue to, to educate. Um, the earlier that we can educate the, the up-and-coming engineers, the future decision makers, um, the better. Um, our messaging isn't that this is the only solution, um, but this is a very appropriate solution in some uh, very uh, some challenging and, and not so challenging uh, applications. You know, Chris described um, you know a lot of uh, maybe some geotechnical issues, but you know the other problems that our uh, systems can help solve uh, problems that are are relevant in the industry are things like inflow and infiltration, things like identifying abusers that are putting um, non-organic non, uh, debris into the sewer system. Our systems can help identify those, those issues. And so again, uh, it's a, it'll be a perpetual uh, mission, uh, but we will continue to cast a wide net and try to educate as many people we can about just the existence of, of the concept in general. And, and pressure sewers, um, it's, you know, it's pretty basic a concept that our founders uh, created as a spinoff from General Electric. Um, we uh, have uh, uh, an appliance, much like a refrigerator or, or disposal, sit uh, uh, buried in front or on the side of a home or like, like commercial uh, type business. Wastewater is going to flow in through the uh, uh, lateral the basin will fill up with wastewater. Our pump will recognize when to turn on, macerate, and pump the wastewater out over a small diameter pipe. Uh, the biggest, one of the biggest differentiators with pressure sewer is we like to use small diameter pipe, um, 40 mil, two and a half, three, four inch, uh, to achieve scouring velocities. Smaller pipe means uh, uh, significantly less in cost from an installation standpoint, from uh, just a material purchase standpoint. And with pressure sewer, you can put the pipe where you want it to go. Whereas with maybe gravity sewer or even vacuum sewer, you're a little limited to more grid-like uh, traditional collection systems. So very flexible and also a very light touch on the land. Um, really what we're uh, going to market with is providing um, an environmental uh, quality of life. You know, we're in the business of cleaning water, 
and a very economical and uh, less invasive uh, method than gravity sewers, for example. So that's just a quick highlight. Derek and I could talk about this stuff for hours. Right. Well, when you were saying about less expensive, so let's say you've got a city that is looking to put in new subdivisions that, you know, doesn't have the, the geotechnical or those challenges. It's just, you know, straight wanting to tie it in to the rest of the system. What advantages do they have in asking the developer in laying in those lines over the traditional gravity sewer? And that gets me back to that question. Is it perhaps people don't want to specify it because they don't understand it? And when it's something new, it's, it's a little scary. It's a, could that could that be part of it? But then what are the advantages, like getting back to that, the advantages of a city saying to that developer, we'd like you to do this instead. Does it help the developer cost-wise as well as the city? Most definitely. The, um, in fact, we've got about 16 of our distributor sales folks here uh, for sales training for three days. Okay. And today we spent some time on the value proposition uh, particularly for the builder or developer. Um, uh, one is the uh, upfront capital expenditure could get reduced anywhere from 50, I've seen 70%. Uh, we're able to uh, eliminate or minimize the number of lift stations uh, needed in a, uh, a development. That's a big chunk of the cost. Uh, in addition to that, we can create lot density or uh, uh, provide the builder to provide or offer more product uh, so they can maximize uh, that piece of land. Uh, using our technology, builders or developers can install a collection system much faster than um, you know, any of the others out there. So we can create uh, speed to market. We can help builders evaluate land to determine if that's a wise investment. We've, mm. We have uh, an application engineering team who can work studies up to provide cost estimates. And there's other tools on our website. Uh, maybe Derek could talk to the municipal sanitarian side. Sure, sure. You know, uh, oftentimes, um, you know, the, the municipality might uh, just see something that's different as just the, the developer trying to save money, but there are real tangible benefits uh, for, the, for the municipality. Um, you know, some of the, some of the obvious ones uh, I've just, I've mentioned a little bit uh, earlier, um, you know, prevailing issues with municipal um, wastewater collection systems are inflow and infiltration, right. um, and and again, those non-organic uh, that non-organic debris that ends up uh, in the sewer system, uh, creating issues. So, uh, from an inflow and infiltration standpoint, uh, the pipe network of a pressure sewer system is is generally sealed, uh, resistant against infiltration. In a gravity system, uh, you know, oftentimes direction changes incorporate manholes. Uh, you have large diameter materials, uh, often more brittle materials. Over time, these materials break down and allow groundwater, uh, stormwater, surface water into the sewer system and creates that peak wet weather flow. Um, it, it burdens the, the network, uh, increases the cost to support and treat all that infiltration. Uh, can contribute to things like uh, sanitary sewer overflows during wet weather events that create public health issues, environmental issues, those sorts of things. The sealed nature of a pressure sewer system practically eliminates that inflow and infiltration. Uh, so 
from the municipal sanitarian standpoint, not having to worry about um, all of those issues. And, and maybe it's going to allow that development to go forward if the existing treatment plant, say, doesn't have enough capacity for that traditional gravity system with all that extra infiltration. We're actually just providing, uh, we're just transporting the actual wastewater that needs to be, needs to be treated. Uh, from a non-organic non debris standpoint, I laugh every time I say that phrase because we all know what the organic debris are, but you know, are the, these are the baby wipes, these are the, the diapers, these are all those sorts of things yeah. that, that, that contribute Flushable to that. wipes. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, in addition to that, you know, there are the organic things like fats and oils. So it's this fats, oils, greases, and all those other debris. Those are, are plaguing wastewater systems uh, around the world. Uh, you know, E1 has, E1 has projects in 44 countries. And I guarantee you, of all 44 of those countries, they're all struggling with infiltration and debris in their wastewater system. So this isn't just something that's, that's a problem in the U.S. or North America. It's, 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 um, it's around the world. Um, you know, grinder pump stations and pressure sewer systems can help identify uh, the source of those problems. Um, you know, Chris had mentioned earlier, a component of the system is a grinder pump. Um, it, it might be obvious that that grinder pump is intended to grind that wastewater. Um, but look, at, at some point, uh, there could be a problem and, you know, there could be a problem at that grinder pump station. But the real benefit to that is the municipality knows where the problem is and they're able to address that problem. And more importantly, they know the source of that problem. They know which connection is contributing those flushable wipes, non wipes in this case, the, the fats, oils, and greases, and they're able to address that problem at the point source. Um, oftentimes, these problems that, that are occurring in traditional systems are occurring somewhere in the pipe network or at a pump station that could be serving tens, hundreds, thousands of properties. So it's anyone's guess at, at the actual cause of, of those problems. So those are two of the obvious ones. You know, another one that I often like to bring up too um, is because pressure sewers and the pipe network doesn't have any slope or grade, oftentimes the burial depth of the pipe network is very shallow. Um, and when we, we talk about um, the, the burden or the, the need from the municipal standpoint, you know, they're gonna own and maintain um, this pipe network for the asset life, 58 years, maybe 100 years, depending on, on the material that's used. Um, so the, the shallower something is, the easier and safer it is to maintain it in the event that some sort of service is, is required. We see lots of gravity sewer systems, um, especially in flat areas and different topographies where you, uh, you are seeing, uh, you know, for repairs or cleaning, you're seeing excavations that might be 15, 20, 30 feet right. deep in order to access these different areas. Not only is that expensive to do all that excavation, very disruptive to the community, but it's very, very dangerous for, mm -hmm. for those sanitarians that have to, uh, you know, do that actual work. So if a municipality is able to prevent that from happening, make, have all their utilities be as shallow as possible, it's, it's addressing cost and it's reducing risk. So just a few examples of some of these benefits. Right. Well, that leads me to that question because I'm sure it's coming. It would come up in a municipality's mind: is okay. This is a new system. I've always, you know, I'm familiar. I know how to deal with, you know, VCP gravity systems. This is something new. What am I going to be looking at from a maintenance and operational 
health standpoint? What are the burdens of this versus something that I already know? Am I going to have a learning curve? What's going to be the burden on me if I decide to go this route? Yeah, uh, you know, great question. And, you know, we talk about what those barriers are um, for wider acceptance of pressure sewer. And, and I'll just be completely honest, you know, when, when people learn about this system, they hear that the system is powered by grinder pumps and immediately they think that this is going to be some massive uh, uh, operational burden, uh, burden on, on them. Um, and we like to uh, create or, or address some of those myths and misconceptions. You know, first off, uh, we'd like to reiterate that the concept was first developed as, as a household appliance. Um, this is the, the, the founders of E1, you know, this pedigree from GE was that this, this um, product was a household appliance. So we think of, um, you know, the, the maintenance interval, of you will, if you will, of other household appliances, your, your dishwasher, your refrigerator, those sorts of things. A um, couple of things, you know, we, we intend for there to be a long service, time between services, and also no preventive maintenance. So when we start to differentiate a grinder pump station in a low pressure sewer application from what most municipal sanitarians are familiar with when they think of a pump station, one has no preventive maintenance and long periods between service, and one requires constant service. That pump station might have right. routine maintenance and, and things like that. Uh, from E1's perspective, um, again, our, um, the, um, uh, as the originators of the concept, we've always believed that the system should be simple, uh, simple to operate, and should be built for longevity. Like E1 has uh, over 800,000 units now in operation, and we have documentation of a mean time between service calls uh, between eight to 10 years. So um, these grinder pump stations shouldn't need service routinely, but every eight to, to 10 years. Um, and we work closely um, with the users of the systems to uh, create operation and maintenance plans. Uh, we leverage our existing users when we have a new user to help create some, um, some realism on what the, what the labor burden is going to be. And, and, and I, I use the word burden, but oftentimes it, it's not. You know, anecdotally, there are systems that incorporate um, 1,500, 2,000 E1 grinder pump stations within a pressure sewer system and may only have two or three service technicians to operate that entire network. So it's really not this large, large maintenance burden. Um, I don't don't uh, let me fool you. There is maintenance that re that's required, but it should only be eight to 10, 10 uh, year service. Anyway. So how does it integrate, or I like to use the term, play nice with an existing gravity system, like a new subdivision coming online, or maybe a section of the town that has been septic that they now want to put on public sewer. Because you mentioned something, and I'm just trying to picture this in my mind, if it's a closed system, if you have to access it for repair, how is that done? Or how does it tie into a gravity system where there's manholes and deep buried lines. Yeah, I'm so, just, uh, visually, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that. <laughs> the pressure sewer system itself is closed. We don't let the bad stuff out or you know, obviously okay. any of the groundwater in. Um, our, uh, we're a collection and transport system primarily. So we always right. have to discharge 
to something. That could be a manhole, an intermediate lift station. In some cases, it's right to the headworks at a treatment plant. Um, a, a significant number of our installations are uh, discharging into a gravity system. There are installations where there's both gravity, pressure, sewer, maybe vacuum on one end or, uh, you know, know a different combination of either so we're very agnostic uh, and can play uh, nicely really with any technology there are some uh, purists at e1 who believe a, a grinder pump should be attached to every single home um, but at the end of the day sometimes gravity sewer or another technology might be um, more appropriate and if it's uh, an application that you know won't uh, bode well for us or the customer we're going to make that uh, uh, recommendation. We've, we've earned a, a trusted advisor status through the years, and, and we want to keep that because our our only product is pressure sewer uh, here at E1. So if we're going to do it, we want to make sure that we do it very well. Otherwise, we'll have you know reputational concerns. Is installation performed purely by your company, or is this done by sewer service contractors? Uh, so E1 will manufacture. Uh, our distribution uh, chain or our authorized network will sell and service, and typically installations done by uh, you know a contractor or underground uh, earthworks organization. If uh, a community is uh, looking to move away from failed septic, they'll uh, bid the work out for installation, and you know we're, we're, we will work directly with the installing contractor, uh, certify and train their staff. Uh, they typically, you know, do all the uh, earth moving, et cetera. Uh, E1 and our, our certified distributors will be able to provide training, startup support, commissioning support, et cetera. So there's definitely, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, multiple stakeholders who are going to work together for, you know, potentially 10 or 15 years uh, or longer, like some of our existing projects. And I'll just uh, on to that uh, because E1 manufactures the entire system, not just a not just a grinder pump. Uh, we manufacture the entire system. Um, we have designed the system purposely to be as easy as possible to install. So um, it's not complicated to install a E1 grinder pump station uh, because we've made it so. Um, and in addition to that, Chris had mentioned mentioned certification. Um, we offer a certified uh, certified installation training. Training, um, whether it's a, a large uh, municipal job, a septic to sewer job, or individual uh, contractors, excavation companies, plumbers, those sorts of, of, of uh, agencies um, are, are uh, um, capable of getting E1 installation certification uh, through a training program, uh, through online training systems that we have. Um, so we try to accommodate as many users as possible. We, we wanna make that training, that information as accessible as possible because we have seen firsthand that the longevity of the system, reliability of the system can be directly proportional to the quality of the install. Quick question for you and not that, you know, we want to do a comparison or this is better than that, but just those distinct differences or maybe similarities between a pressure system and a vacuum system, a vacuum sewer system. Because it sounds like there's some, the principles behind it are similar, but are there distinct differences so people understand what that is? 
Yeah, so uh, a gravity source system and a vacuum system kind of operate off the same principle. There's central equipment that serves, um, you know, the homes or, or businesses. And in those cases, typically a fault at the uh, lift station or the central vacuum station means there's going to be a fault uh, with uh, all those being served on that connection. Uh, with pressure sewer, a fault at one site does not affect the uh, operation at any of the, of the other sites. That's probably the biggest um, advantage. The second uh, biggest advantage from an economical standpoint, you need a certain number of connections on a vacuum sewer uh, for that project to have some type of you know, good return on investment. That's not the case with pressure sewer. It could be one, 10, or 10,000 units, and you're still going to realize the, uh, you know, the, the technological and economic value that we can bring. I have heard, so I've, I've heard about some things with vacuum sewers where they've come a long way when you were saying about the one station would go down that now with these, I was going to ask if you had a system with, with these telemetry systems that they can actually spot if one house's, um, I guess, what do you call it? The, the pump station. An alarm. Starts, yeah, start the pit. The pit starts to experience a problem. It won't affect anything else that might be connected within that at that station so they can isolate it. Do you have a similar system for telemetry? Because you were saying earlier that you could actually pinpoint if there was a problem or I and I. Well, Derek's team created the product. So Derek, you should talk okay. about that. Uh, yeah, so uh, there are telemetry systems that are available uh, for E1 uh, grinder pump stations. Uh, that can do the very basic to, to provide an indication if there's a, a pump fault, um, but where um, E1 monitoring systems can, can be a bit more advanced than say a vacuum sewer system uh, telemetry system, is we start to gain uh, some analytics on individual pump cycle, uh, pump cycle times, when the pumps operate throughout the day, um, we're able to do some uh, predictive uh, indication of um, hey, where there might be sources of infiltration into the system, uh, when do some predictive maintenance on uh, when a grinder pump is operating, because we see how often, how many times a pump has cycled, how long that 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 pump is open, or excuse me, how long that pump is is operating. So you know, there's a lot of functionality and and telemetry and, and big data are really really starting to become part of um, pressure sewer systems, but all sorts of, of wastewater collection systems. Um, you know, real quick, I'll just, I just want to add um, one of the other key, key differences with a vacuum sewer system um, and where pressure sewer systems can perform um, a, bit, a bit better. Um, vacuum sewer systems have limited uh, static lift or elevation changes. Uh, vacuum sewer systems are frequently found in flat coastal areas because oftentimes you don't have much static lift. Uh, pressure sewer systems, just because of the hydraulic nature of, of the grinder pumps, are often uh, capable of, of more elevation changes. Uh, for example, an E1 grinder pump uh, is capable of pumping over 185 feet uh, of head, whereas most vacuum stations are limited to 10 or 15 feet of static lift. So you see a lot of uh, E1 grinder pump or E1 low pressure sewer systems in uh, undulating terrain, even in mountainous areas 
whereas a lot more vacuum systems are found in those coastal areas. But I'd be remiss if I didn't say E1 sewer systems are also appropriate in those, those low-lying areas as well. Yeah, it, it sounds like these different systems have their, their sweet spots of where they can really solve difficult issues so that if you were to pick like those top tough terrains for your technology, what would it be ideally suited for? Where you can make a real difference. I think yeah, like those I, gravity know, systems. Yeah, yeah. Again, we, we often say that pressure sewer systems are appropriate in flat, wet, rocky, and hilly areas. Okay. So to pick one of them, it, it would be it would be a bit difficult. Um, but but you're absolutely right that um, you know the pressure sewer systems aren't the end all be all. Um, you know, Chris, Chris commented earlier that oftentimes we see hybrid systems because, you know, many cities, you know, one technology isn't necessarily the most appropriate in, in all cases. Oftentimes, you know, cities have different problems and there are different challenges in, in different regions. So it really comes down to uh, what, what I would always say is uh, it, it's, it's a financial uh, exercise or a, a total life cycle cost exercise. So let's consider the capital cost level. Let's consider the operational costs over, you know, a, a normal life cycle, whether that's 20, 30, 50 years, and determine what's the best specific technology. We are, we are an arrow in a quiver. We are a tool in the tool bag for the engineer, municipality, for the land developer to figure out the most cost-effective way to provide service to, you know, the, their stakeholders. I'll just add to what Derek uh, said, though. Today, the, the technology acceptance is, is gaining at a much faster rate. And, and primarily, that's because most of the good land has already been sewered. You know, so what's left over, you do typically have a lot of challenging terrain. And what a lot of our customers are telling us is a municipal budget for gravity sewers just not able to meet the need for that particular challenging site. So what's left to be sewered really plays right into to the E1 sweet spot, which again is rocky, hilly, flat, uh, or wet. Um, budgets are getting tighter. And in some, in many cases, you know, we can significantly increase the number of connections with the pressure sewer system than a gravity system, a, a double in some cases for the same budget uh, type of project. Is it applicable for multi-unit dwellings like high-rise condominiums, apartment buildings, things of that nature? So we, we really operate on the lower flow end. Um, 11 gallons a minute is really the sweet spot, uh, up to maybe 40, depending on you know, the product configuration. Uh, if it's a high-rise building, that's really not an area we're gonna play in. Uh, that would be blend itself to you know vacuum or, or gravity. Okay. You know, um, but you know, from a, a light commercial side of things, uh, you know, within um, we often see a lot of uh, a lot of um, commercial applications within larger residential communities. So you know, back to our example that we've been discussing about new land development. Oftentimes, it's a it's a it's a bunch of um, single family homes uh, as well as maybe a or a church or businesses, you know, we have stations that are configured to handle really a lot of a lot of those sort of things, you know, whether it's a hotel, 
whether it's a school, uh, restaurants, those sorts of things. At a certain point, like Chris was describing, once the flow becomes uh, too great, once the total daily flow becomes too great, you know, we do start to struggle or there's other, other uh, approaches that we need to look at instead of having a single grinder pump station serve a, a single building. We might look at splitting the flow in a building into two stations and, and things like that. There's, there's a lot of techniques. There's a lot of different building types that we have serviced with, with grinder pumps, but um, we're not doing much work in uh, you know, midtown Manhattan, you know, servicing the Chrysler building or anything like that. Okay. Well, this sounds like it is definitely an alternative, and I don't want to say an alternative. Um, I don't like that word. It, sh it should be considered just another mainstream choice at this point, you know, depending on your application, not as a, well, maybe we'll do that if this doesn't work, that it should actually maybe be given first pass consideration, you know, comparing apples to apples by more municipalities and developers. Obviously, you know, like Chris was saying, it's not going to be the perfect solution for everything, but it definitely sounds like it's got a wide range of applications that people may not have been aware of just because yeah. you don't know what you don't know, right? Which is why I have this show and I want folks like yourselves coming on here to let the world know, hey, have you ever thought about this? And if you haven't, maybe you should. So I want to thank you for sharing that. And uh, for those of you who are interested in learning more about this technology, you can reach out to these two gentlemen on LinkedIn and find out more information on their website. And that information is coming up on screen and is also considered in, it's also included in the show notes below. And again, to both of you, thank you for sharing your time with me and, you know, explaining to a, you know, I've been around the, the industry for since 1998, but I had very, very little knowledge of this. So thank you for bringing me up to speed and giving me a lesson on pressure sewer 101. And uh, thanks again. And thank um, you. Yeah, I, I look forward well, to thank seeing, you. It's been a seeing more stuff coming out about uh, your application showing up in more and more places. Very good. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. You know, we run into customers or, or folks that, you know, maybe a customer down the line every day, uh, our company and our you know, folks at the team have been doing this for oh, 53 years, and every day we run into people who have never heard of pressure sewer. So we're we're happy to spread the word. And again, thank you for having us on today. Oh, and thank you, thank you. Well, thank you for joining us on this week's episode. And until next time, keep it flowing. Thanks so much for joining me, the Doo Doo Diva, on this week's episode of Smells Like Money. What stood out to you this week? Share your takeaways by leaving me a review. You can find out more about the new technologies, creating sustainable solutions and insights on how to succeed in our vital industry by subscribing to the show. Whether you want to learn about the latest trends in wastewater infrastructure, treatment or trenchless, you've got it all right here at Smells Like Money. If you're an industry expert and would like to be considered as a guest for the show, book a quick chat with me by visiting calendly.com forward slash the Tuit group forward slash b dash a dash podcast dash guest or simply click the link in the show notes below until next week a big shout out to all my industry friends and those who will be you are my superheroes
Thanks for tuning in, keeping it flowing, and we'll see you all next week.